a positive mind is good, but a still mind is better. And so like anxiety, fear, worry, doubt, anger, all those things can only happen from thoughts. Like anxiety is from thoughts. So if you really understand that, then you realize all that stuff is from thoughts and not even, not just thoughts, it's not thoughts, it's believing your thoughts. So when you really get that, then all those things I just mentioned, they have no power on you. That's Ben Gordon, drummer of Australian metal royalty. The beginning of us. Feel like something is rapidly transfiguring in my core being, an awakening of sorts. The beginning of us. A raw conversation hosted by your main fucker, Billy Otto. Pulling apart what it means to rebirth, to rewild, to be curious and to rechild. Wowee, fam. It's so good to be back on the show once more. Calling in from Lennox Head. Yeah, guys, just a little bit of a check-in moment. I've been sleeping really well the last two nights. And if you know me well, insomnia is part of my life every now and then. And... I just feel really blessed to being good rhythms, reading at night instead of watching screens, spending a lot more time alone, being in the sun, surfing every day, cooking lots of vegetables, fresh, organic, locally sourced veggies. I've just felt so loved, um, just loving on my body. Yeah, this morning was kind of funny. I, I had to stomach some things and I had to apologize to someone for coming across as a bit of a dum-dum. I'm not saying this at all as a victim or woe is me, it's just more so, yeah, just more so learning to be mindful of what I say and meaning what I say and speaking with kindness in every sphere of my life and I felt like over the last 24 hours I just didn't, didn't honour my friend in communication the best that I could and this awesome human was in a bit of a vulnerable state and I needed some clarity on something and anyway I just feel like I'm learning a lot about my words and the weight and the power that my words and thoughts have so yeah it's never too late to say sorry and um, this awesome human accepted my apology and life flows on and moments pass through you like a porous rock like a river flow no longer do you have to remain a reservoir. Today is a time where you can have these thoughts, emotions, sufferings. They can pass through you and it's beautiful. I'm really excited about this podcast. Um, just a couple of nights ago, I was at Ben Gordon's house. And if you know Parkway Drive, they're one of the, the greatest metal bands of the world at the moment. Um, the boys are all from Byron Bay. I've, I've loved these boys' music since I was quite young, since I was a little surfing grom. I've learned a bunch of their songs to different HSC music pieces when I used to be a music teacher. But I could not believe where this interview went. I never knew that it was going to go on such a deep dive into the realm of awakening and inner work. And I just want to honour Ben as, as a great man, not only as a drummer, as an entrepreneur, but he's just done a lot of work on his heart and and he's postured his 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 mind towards learning 
and embracing stillness and uh, you're going to be so inspired. And I just want to thank all you guys out there um, for listening into this podcast. I've just got a couple of different messages I want to read out from a few frothers. Yeah, I don't know if I've ever received so much response um, for a post and for something that I've, I've written about or spoken about. Um, but yeah, if you didn't hear um, episode number four, it was all about my journey of religion and things that I've processed and places that I've come to from an anonymous frother. Your words ran to my ears like silk and I really felt you when you talked about an upbringing that encouraged hard Christian dualities, suppressing emotions, playing rugby and working your way up to become this macho figure and for what? It's beautiful how you've become aware of that and embrace your feminine energy, allowing that simple yet so easy overlookable isness to shine through. I was brought up the same way. What a fucking journey, huh? Loami from America. Just finished listening to the podcast. I appreciate your honesty and transparency. Stay blessed, bro. Keep fighting for the injustice you see. Reen from Byron Bay. Thank you for sharing your journey. I loved hearing you unpack the nuances of judgmental thinking that can be so painful for people growing up in some faith movements and loved the honour you unpacked as well. Great to hear your story. Yeah, Tribe, it's such an honour to receive any messages from you. Um, please write to me, DM me on Instagram, give you a little shout. Um, yeah, it's a pretty vulnerable and raw way to share stories. And so I just really appreciate the support. And um, it's giving me so much clarity as, as a human, as I explore parts of my own narrative, the collective narrative and how it feeds into my expression, into my podcast and into my music and into my conversations. And, and, um, I'm just growing so quickly from this potty. So guys, please share the podcast as much as you can. Keep giving your ratings, reviews, really appreciate all the downloads. Um, yeah, numbers are growing. It's amazing. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Get pumped for Benny Gordon. If you haven't visited the general store in Byron Bay, it's an incredible plant-based cafe that Ben owns with his mate. And um, if you haven't listened to Parkway Drive, check him out on Spotify. And you're going to hear about some other really cool causes that Ben's been a part of. But follow him on Instagram at BenXGordon and um, keep up to date with all the incredible projects that he's talking about and all the places that he's surfing. Heaps of love. Namaste. The beginning of us. Super excited today. We have the ultimate frother, the plant-based powered entrepreneur himself, not only drumming for Australia's biggest ever metal band, Parkway Drive. He's a humble cat, shreds in the surf, runs long distances, and he's saving our planet as an activist, one smile at a time. Welcome to the show, Byron Bay's own Ben Gordon. What an intro. <laughs> Thanks, mate. Yeah, all in. Um, dude, it's such an honour to be in your house, in your yoga room, overlooking tallows. Yeah, thanks, mate. Yeah, it's a really good spot. Yeah. yeah. It's a good spot to do some yoga and meditate every morning. Yeah. Can you just give some description of, of what you get to wake up to every day? Yeah, well, it's uh, basically I bought a house about nine months ago and... Um, I bought it mainly because I can check the surf from my bedroom and, um, yeah, wake up to the sunrise every morning, which is unbelievable. And then now that it's whale season, there's just non-stop whales. Something about seeing the ocean from your house that is 
so liberating. It's like when you're home, it's not like even if you, if I was home all day, I'm not just don't have the feeling of I'm just at home. Like mm. you feel like you're somewhere good, like you're at a destination. Mm. It's really good. So, man, and I can just imagine all those minerals that you're just collecting from the ocean every day as well. All those negative ions, just that oceanic energy. Yeah, it's really good. And you good get to for sleep the, on that as well. Like, yeah, you must it's sleep amazing. Really good for the mental mental state. It's yeah. just so calming, dude. Yeah, because I feel like sometimes when you're like, if you've got a house in the suburbs and you're sitting around, even if you're doing work at home, you feel like a bit of a bum. There's that cabin fever mm. kind of vibe. And yeah. I was just looking through Ben's um, telescope before. <laughs> Where were we checking? Broken. Checking broken, yeah. <laughs> spying on some people. <laughs> but yeah, actually, I had the realisation um, before I bought this place that, um, you know, real estate in Byron is only going up and up and especially the higher end spots and I thought, well, fuck, I may as well try and get something that like, you know, the the forever home, they call mm. it, now because I always was just like, oh, I'll just I'll just wait one day and then I thought, fuck, I may as well just try and get something now because, yeah. you know, it, otherwise the prices would become unobtainable so I just yeah. charged and now yeah, I'm pretty stoked. Cause, you've had a few properties yet. Yeah, I've, had, I've been buying properties since I was like 22, so. Dude, in the game. Yeah, yeah, I've kind of been smart with my, the money we've made. I haven't yeah. done the usual rock star thing of just blowing fucking, the bag. <laughs> yeah, blowing it on drugs and and cars and all that shit. But yeah, no. yeah, I kind of realised a while ago, as did the rest of the band. Like when we started making decent money, I didn't want to like being in a band. It's so uncertain. Like you know, you can. Have a big fight, and we could break up yeah, tomorrow, or sure. you know, we could ne- an album could flop, and it's it's all over. So I didn't want to get to mm. like do well, and then all of a sudden it's over, and then I got to mm. go work at Woolies. So <laughs> I wanted to try and you know invest and yeah. kind of be smart. Oh man, I've I've loved your work over the years. Um, I was just thinking actually today as I was like doing some clean up and cleaning up around the house. The first time I ever heard of Parkway Drive was through a Riptide mag. Oh wow, <laughs> sick. <laughs> Did you go up bodyboarding? Yeah, I yeah. did actually. Yeah, I did. So funny, That's eh? how me and Winston met. Yeah. Because we both bodyboarded and I used to film heaps. Yeah. I was good friends with his brother Oscar and then I used to film. And his dad was Chaz. His dad was Chaz. Yeah, like who I read about through Riptide. Yeah, mm. just like bodyboarding legend. Yeah. It's funny though because sometimes because I've been surfing now um, for the last 12 years, like when I was yeah, 19 or something. Longer, fourteen years, but um, and obviously, if you don't do something in those developing teenage years, it's hard to get really good. So, like, I can surf okay, but I'm not like a as good as my mates who grew up standing yeah. up since they were a kid. And sometimes I I regret <sighs> it, thinking, "Fuck, I wish I surfed when I was younger." But I still stand by it that Parkway probably wouldn't exist <laughs> because that's how me and Winston met through bodyboarding, and then we started the band, and then all the other stuff happened. So. I guess I'll take. Yeah. I guess I'll take being in a band and. Sometimes I feel the same way about being a bass player for so long. Yeah. Now that I'm a guitarist singer, I'm like, fuck! I could be shredding yeah. as a guitarist. I could be like a John Mayer, yeah, you know, singer guitarist guy. But um, but dude, it was actually the Riptide Mag, and I think it was like one of your first kind of features in there. I, I was super young at the time. I think I was like eight or nine, so or maybe ten or something. I don't know. You guys were like fourteen, fifteen, sixteen. I, I, when was the first time you guys started? 
Miss- playing, yeah, like jamming well, okay, as part yeah, of it. I was 16. This isn't like a big narrative thing about the band, by the way. <laughs> like, I'm sure you've said this a thousand times. No, that's all right. Um, so we started jamming. We got together in November 2002. I was 16. Yeah. And then our first show was a few months later. Dude. So it's been over half my life. I'm 34 <laughs> now. Yeah. <laughs> It's fucking Dude. pretty crazy, really. Um, what was life growing up in Byron when you were a youngster, when you were a grom? Really good. Yeah. Like, <laughs> fucking as good as it gets. Yeah. It's just, um, as you know, it's just a really good place to mm. live and to grow up. And back then it was obviously a lot quieter, mm. more of a community. You knew everyone you went to school with. You knew, you know, you knew everyone. And it's grown a lot, but I don't know. It, it hasn't as well. Like it, mm. there's a lot more people, but... You know, like people that grow up here, a lot of them kind of complain. But to me, because I've had the foresight and because of the privilege of being able to travel so much, I've still never found anywhere in the world I'd rather live. Mm. And, you know, you go from an American tour where you're going into like you know, Detroit's and fucking... <laughs> I won't name any other cities. Alabama. But yeah, you're going into some pretty yeah. fucked places. Yeah. And then you come home and you just can't even believe it. And then you bump into someone like an old local and they, and they say, oh, yeah, Byron's pretty shit these days. And you think, oh, man, just go <laughs> anywhere else in the world and you won't be saying that. It's yeah. still that good. Dude, so good, man. Like, honestly, like, I lived in Sydney the last four years and I thought Maroubra was amazing until I moved to Bunjalung country. <laughs> <laughs> this way I was just like... And I had guys like Kyle and that saying, like, why are you not living up here? Like, this is where, like, you can rewild your heart again. Like, it'll make you younger. Just come to mm. Byron, man. And, yeah. But, but the first three days that I was kind of visiting and sussing out if I was going to live here, I just knew that this is where I wanted to stay long term. And, yeah. And having travelled a lot for music stuff as well, this is nowhere else in the world. Yeah, it's true. That it's... just has this quality of life and this vibration. And Yeah. There's definitely something about it. It, you know, it just ticks a lot of boxes because there's a lot of – beautiful places in the world like you know there's heaps but this has the natural beauty but it also has the community and it also has the facilities like it just has the right balance which is why a lot of locals including myself have kind of you know try and protect that balance because if it goes too far the the wrong way it can be lost pretty quick I feel but um it's still it's still there for sure back when you guys are playing um Back in the teenage days, was it a cool thing to be involved in music at that time? Um, yeah, I guess it was, yeah. It was a, like a small hardcore scene in yeah. Byron, which was like popular at the time, like anything, and it grew like mm. f- with us becoming kind of popular, it grew quite big. Mm. And now it's like... North it's, Coast hardcore. Yeah, it was, it was all that thing. stuff. It's yeah. pretty funny now looking back, like any like any kind of um, fad or trend or whatever it was. But, like, you watch footage of people moshing at shows now and it's pretty pretty hilarious. But yeah. everyone was into it and it was, it was good fun. Obviously, being a hardcore band from Byron, a lot of people all over the world didn't really don't really understand that because I guess that's one of our points of difference as well. But I've always said it was mainly from, um, like, surf movies, skate movies. It was more energy than than real like kind of aggression and mm. you know it can be seen as like you know violent or whatever but it's more it's just a release of energy at least mm. for me being the drummer mm. yeah <laughs> that's that's the main thing yeah i wanted to ask you about that like um 
because obviously you listen to a lot of different kinds of music, but what do you think is so alluring about metal music, metal hardcore, especially for men? Yeah, well, it's kind of hard to answer it now because I don't really listen to it. (laughs) (laughs) But I know growing up, it's just got, like there's 10 million songs and bands uh, that sing about love and that whole thing, and that's great. There's a place for that. But then there's also the other side of it when you when you kind of either pissed off or you're going to the gym or you need to be fired up before you're going surfing. Like mm. it's it's really like the energy. Like it's it mm. psychs you up. Mm. It's and that's basically what we've specialised in is like basically psyching you got you up through the music. Like yeah. breakdowns. That's what it is. It just mm. like when you listen to it and you can't help but just bang your head or yeah, just fucking sure. get um you know emotional or it evokes something that's kind of that's the, the what we've tried to do is basically like yeah just Dude, bring it honestly there. like when you start banging those skins and winston's on stage it feels like you're going to war or something yeah there's something yeah. really primal about For it sure. it's something almost like neanderthalic and you hear like yeah and then, like, it's just I, – I think as a man, I've always felt with hardcore and metal, um, there's so much conviction in it. Yeah. You know, like, I play indie music and, like, shoegaze, pop music and stuff, and everyone's kind of, like, doing this, and you're kind of just floating on this, like, cosmic cloud. But there's something about metal that is just kind of like, fuck, this yeah. is it. Yeah, like, talking about real shit, and it's confronting. Yeah, for sure. And it's kind of uncomfortable. And yeah. there's dissonance, and there's a lot of darkness to yeah, embrace. for sure. Yeah, definitely lyrically there's, there's all that side. But I feel like, as I said, the main thing is the energy, like the maximum yeah. energy. Because like, like you said, with indie music, yeah. it's kind of like you got the groove, you got the pocket and you're sitting in that and that's great. But like when we play, especially from my point of view, it's 100%. Like mm. you're giving everything mm. when you play and people can feel that. Luckily for us, it's one of the, you know, I feel like it's one of the best genres live because of that. Yeah, it's so because exciting. basically the crowd is is part of the show because mm. we give everything, they give everything, and it's like this tangible energy in the room, <laughs> and it's like it's it's kind of that's the best thing about what's released in yeah. that room. For sure, like even what I watched Viva for the first time last week, and it was oh, amazing, yeah. man. And just hearing. Um, some of your friends responding. I think there was a guy from Germany. Thank you so much for your music, Parkway. Yeah, yeah. Um, for everything you've taught us and everything you've you've meant to us, and just kind of like. But it seemed like there was something so emotional and spiritual about his connection to the music, and because I think it is like metal is really vulnerable. Yeah, you know, and and when you even seeing footage on that documentary, the back and forth, like the ice is completely broken when you guys are playing, and there's mm. this back and forth like this dance between the crowd and you guys and, yeah, yeah it's so raw. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it's it's crazy because throughout our career we've had so many people come up to us and, you know, say all that, that we've changed their lives and mm. they wouldn't be here if it wasn't for our music mm. and it's kind of, um, it's you know, it's pretty full on when someone says that to you but it's obviously mm. great. It's, it's rewarding and it makes mm. you more... I guess stoked on what we do that people take mm. it that way, but um, I don't know. I, I guess it's is hard. That, is that like um, pretty incredible in like a purpose and meaning sense? Because obviously, 
you can be smashing out tunes, but when your music can mean so much to someone else's journey, when someone's contemplated suicide, mm. and, you know, that must impact you. 100%, yeah, it feels mm. really good. And, I mean, there's the other side of, side of it. A lot of um, – we've had a lot of uh, army guys before, so to, especially in America, like you, we get yeah. soldiers come up and say, man, we blasted your music in our tanks when we were going through <laughs> Afghanistan and we were like, going, fuck. <laughs> Oh, fuck, that's not what we wanted. Well, thanks, man. Yeah, like a lot of dudes, like, we're, we're in the fucking, in the war and I was listening to you guys to get me through it. Was, oh, my God. Let's become a fucking indie band. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess uh, that's music, though. It's open yeah, for interpretation yeah. for everyone. Yeah. No, it's great, man. Um, just on music, um, were you very impacted by Lars growing up? No. Really? No. I don't actually, it's so weird. I was pretty Lars narrow. Lars by the way. Yeah. Anyone out there doesn't know Metallica. <laughs> I was pretty narrow-minded. I listened yeah. to punk, um, like Pennywise, Bad Religion, those yeah. kind of bands, and then into hardcore, which is more like less known bands. And mm. the bigger metal bands like Metallica's Pantera, Pantera Slayer, they were almost too mainstream for us back then, like Jeff, the guitarist in the band, used to listen to them. But for me, I didn't really even give you those. You really into Black Flag? Um, they were a bit too old for me. Like, yeah, but as in like, because you know like pre-Penny, well, Pennywise was on like every surf video. Yeah. Back in the day, everything was like punk and hardcore. Yeah. But I'm just trying to think of, I guess you were probably more influenced by what was current in the time. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, not as many throwbacks. Well, that's the thing. We were influenced by the bands that were influenced by... Yeah. The Black Flags and the yeah. and the Ramones, the yeah, Ramones and that stuff, like the next generation down. Yeah, yeah. So, but it wasn't no till effects. yeah, yeah, it wasn't till um, later on where I started listening to the kind of original bands yeah, that yeah. influenced them, and I was like, "Fuck, these bands yeah. are really good." Like, I only started listening to Metallica oh not that long ago, eight years ago or something, and yeah, I was like, yeah. "Oh my god, they're fucking yeah. so good." <laughs> it's funny. I listened today. Like, there's a few interviews where people would assume that you guys would listen to a lot of Metallica. Yeah. You know, but... Yeah. Well, Jeff does, and he's the main riff yeah, writer. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so there's definitely some influence um, there. Were you drum trained growing up or...? No. I had like... Because there's a lot of... Ten lessons. Man, like, um, I watched that, um, the the drum solo that you posted about and you're getting twisted around. And yeah. There's heaps of like tribal elements. Yeah. 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 Which again like isn't like you're a metal band but you're bringing in these jungle beats. And yeah. Well, that one's interesting because cause I'm going upside down, um, like I wrote this drum solo before that tour that was like really good and then when I got in the cage because I had to go, I couldn't practice going upside down here. Mm. So when I got in the cage, I couldn't do that solo because – I was going upside down <laughs> and then like gravity, it like it's the biggest yeah. mind fuck when you're going upside down, your whole sense of of normality just like you – because I'm focused on the drums which doesn't change. So my view doesn't really change but all of a sudden gravity just shifts mm. and anyway like your legs obviously get heavy and like weird stuff goes on. So I had to simplify mm. the solo, that solo a lot but – um. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I what happened to me with drumming is I just started playing. I got like 10 lessons and it was the drum teacher from Byron, he was trying to teach me proper, like in hindsight, like actual technique. 
and jazz and yeah. and I was this a fucking energetic kid that just wanted to play punk. So I just started playing my own stuff and didn't really learn proper technique. And then it wasn't till I was about 20, 21 when I was I got on the cover of a like drum magazine and um or a big feature. I wasn't a cover yet, but um and then the guy the interviewer was asking me all these questions and I basically didn't know what the fuck I was talking about. <laughs> didn't know what rudim- rudiments were and any yeah, that shit. And after yeah. that I was like, this is turning into my career now. I better actually learn the fuck I'm talking about, what I'm doing. <laughs> so I had to go back to basics and learn, like correct all my technique and it was the best thing I ever did wow. for my drumming. Like I, I basically just started from the start and learnt so much and then yeah, it helped me a lot, implement a lot of new ideas and, and grow as a musician. Dude. Yeah, well, that's cool, man. But at least I think it's like now when I'm producing a lot of strings players for albums and they're so classically trained. They've been studying classical music for 20 years or whatever and asking them just to kind of channel in the moment and just like riff is so difficult because they're so... Um, they're so committed to, I guess, the rubric and the template of classical music and they're so ingrained and conditioned in that mode that they struggle to kind of just be in the spontaneous. And so I guess you grew up jam with boys and so your musicality was so organic. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I've often said, we've talked about this, me and Jeff, like Jeff's the main riff writer, so me and him write most of the music and he didn't, he's the same, he just taught himself. Mm. And we've often said and I've I've realised that like learning proper has its benefits, but it also you get institutionalized a bit. Mm. So basically when you learn, if you went to uni for music, right, mm. you get told this is how you do it, mm. this is mm. what you shouldn't do, this is what you have to do, and so you it becomes a box mm. w- what you should be doing. And we didn't know, like a lot of our older stuff, like if you listen to it, it's out of key, but it sounds good. Like yeah. he didn't really know what a key was. We didn't know like well, the tempos would sway and all this mm. shit, but it just felt good. Because some of and, your metering, like time signature-wise, is like really – I had to like, – I used to be a HSC music teacher. Yeah. And um, I remember there was this one – I can't remember which song it was, but there was just like these different time changes and stuff. And I'm just yeah. like these – you'd almost think that you guys really knew what you were doing. Yeah, but it was the opposite. <laughs> we had no idea. We literally every single riff, like every single part of the song used to be a different tempo. Mm. We didn't realise – we didn't even know the concept of a tempo for a song. We just – Every tempo would change mm. and then structure, we had no fucking idea. We would literally just have like a – we wouldn't have even anything that repeated. It would just be like a musical journey for a song. Yeah, almost it's, like classical music, just a journey. Yeah, but like we listen now and we're thinking, what the hell are we doing? But mm. it's taken us like 17 years, like our whole career to learn how to write better songs. But, I mean, it had its place back then and it got us to where we were. Yeah. But um, yeah, we just basically had no idea what we were doing, but we it it felt right. So yeah, and uh, it it is. Did you say that you you love playing live. Well, yeah, I do. But we fucking we've done it a lot, and we were pretty burnt out for a while there. Um, when you've done like tour after tour after tour, it's hard to love it. Mm-hmm. But um, tell you what, this COVID whole thing's actually I feel like good for us because. It's um, allowed us to have a break for the first time. Like this year we were supposed to go to Europe in April 
and then doing Aussie tour in June, and then being in America right now. And, um, you know, it, w- it would have been just a normal year. But now we haven't played live. We've played three shows in a year. And, like, I'm really looking forward to playing again. We've got, like, I've been playing drums, like, practising, but, like, just because I want to now, which I haven't done that for ages. Usually you get home from a tour and the last thing I want to do is play drums because I just want to break from it. And then if I have to practise all right, I'm like, fuck, I better do it because it's my job. But now I'm actually playing just for the love of it again. So it's actually really good having this break. Yeah, man. I remember the first time I spoke to you at the Jenny, it just seemed like you were pumped kind of from COVID because it just – it did cut off a few opportunities and it just kept you grounded in Byron and just coming yeah. back to the beautiful, simple things of normal living. And yeah. Well, me and uh, me and Jeff actually were semi trying to f- – we were fighting for it to have a year off for the last few years and the other guys didn't really want to, it didn't make sense and then it just kind of happened. So <laughs> – Pretty, uh, yeah. I mean, I'm not stoked about the whole scenario because yeah, it's not sure. it's not good, but it is what it is, and um, we're we're making the most of it. Yeah, man. Um, I remember probably about a month ago, you DM'd me on Instagram about an interview that I did with Happy Mag around mental health, around masculinity, and and those kinds of things. And has that been something that's in- interested you when it comes to, especially within guys like male mental health and? And I guess what you would have been exposed to growing up around Byron in the music scene and probably having lost some friends to depression and, yeah, what's been your journey with that? Yeah, so, I mean, it hasn't been uh, – let me think about that. <laughs> you can edit that, right? Yeah. Like a pause. <laughs> <laughs> You're killing it. Um, so, yeah, I mean, like every Aussie male, there's, there's been a, a journey there. But I feel like in Byron, it's not, at least the scene, the, my friend group, it wasn't as masculine as other other places. Mm. Um, like everyone trying to get their first highlights and like yeah. rugby league town. Like I came from that in Newcastle, fully that scene. Yeah, but 100% it's, a, it's an Aussie cultural problem where males, guys can't talk about their feelings, can't talk about problems because mm-hmm. you're weak and, oh, fucking you'll be right, mate. And that's obviously why we've got the highest yeah. suicide rate in the world for, for young males. But, yeah, um, yeah man, it's a, it's a full thing. I, I just liked you doing that because I like people talking about it and mm-hmm. I, I've always talked about it not because of, I've had particularly I've particularly had issues with it but I've just been mm-hmm. always okay talking about it and I know that a lot of other guys aren't mm. so when I saw you doing that I was I was like yeah man well done like mm. it's good mm. opening up that conversation but yeah because I, I don't know like was that fostered at all in your family that kind of openness like with you and your dad I guess with the boys like like because I feel like for a lot of Australian dudes we kind of come to vulnerable conversations quite late <laughs> yeah, for sure. Just because of our culture. And so yeah. it takes a pretty special family or situation that you can be like soft as a man. Yeah. Yeah, my family wasn't very open. We didn't really talk about mm. shit. Still mm. still don't really. Mm. I don't know what it was, but I yeah, I'm I've always been okay mm. talking about it. I actually Great, think though. a lot of it's to do with like I've never drunk alcohol and I think a lot of it's like I don't know, I might be tied with, with alcohol a fair bit of like mm. 
I've ex- what I've experienced a lot in my life not drinking alcohol is like a lot of people that the pressure you get put on when you're younger, particularly when you're more vulnerable to it, mm. to drink. And if you don't drink, you fucking pussy. Like, what's wrong with you? And like, so I don't know. It might be to do with that whole scene. Yeah, man, isn't it so bizarre? Like, I want to fucking see you mag with that goon sack. You're gonna be fucking this chick tonight. Yeah. And there's this, this. It's so difficult to not kind of to just to resist that when you're 15. Yeah. And, like, the, the big kids at the back of the bus are telling you what to do. Like. For sure. Well, not even 15. It's also, like, my whole adult life, like, I've obviously travelled a shitload yeah. with the band, but I've also done so much travelling on my own, like, surf trips yeah. and different trips around the world. And um, it's the alcohol one, man, is, like, is huge. It's actually, like, I feel like it's the next big focus that people will focus on because it's not really talked about enough wow. how it's... Every country, every culture, every class, alcohol is is ubiquitous in. It's like basically everywhere you go in the world, you meet someone. You meet a girl, you meet a guy, like, hey, mate, you meet some, like, a couple. <laughs> yeah. You meet dudes on a surf trip, whatever, let's go get a beer. You meet chicks, we'll go out, go out for a drink. You meet, like, you go to a family's house, you go have a drink. Like, the amount of situations I've been in, where someone invites you for a drink and you just say, oh, no, thanks, I don't drink. And it's, like, turned into a big awkward thing. And being able to, like, see that from the outside, it's like you're basically a weirdo, an outsider if you don't drink alcohol, which I think is a full problem. Like, if you don't smoke cigarettes, no one cares. If you don't do drugs, usually no one cares. If you don't drink alcohol, what's wrong with you? Like, is everything all right? Like, I used to have to make up stories like oh my dad was an alcoholic or something otherwise people just like they don't get it like what do you mean you don't drink alcohol and you just say I've just say just you know make something up otherwise they just keep hackling you heckling you so yeah it's a weird one yeah there's a weird shame around it yeah um wow dude like um but I guess when you, yeah, like when, when you, what you're saying about like if you take away that alcohol and I think in your experience of being off alcohol since you were 16, like you don't have the Band-Aid solution of a beer to kind of, because I feel like alcohol helps, like guys can become vulnerable when they have a bunch of beers. Yeah. But if you can, if you don't have alcohol, like you have I think more space to kind of just become vulnerable more naturally mm. and just to kind of go there and not escape pain through the bottle. Yeah, well, that's true. One of the only times I ever almost considered drinking was um, so when I was 22, my best mate died. Mm. And then at the same time, I was going through a breakup with my first girlfriend, which is always the hardest one. Mm. So it was the first time in my life I actually experienced anything like heavy, like because I had a pretty good childhood and I'd never really had anyone close die. So I was proper like going through it, like, you know, the whole depression and all that stuff. And I remember a few days after he died and I was fully just deep in it, I just thought I just want to escape. I want to escape from this. And I thought if I like, I understood at that moment drinking to to escape it, but then I actually looked at it and thought, no, that's that's a sign of weakness to me. Like if I just get drunk to escape reality, then that's not being responsible. Like that's kind of 
that's not the answer. So I got through it without doing that, but I saw that I saw that pull and that option. But I, I I didn't go there and I dealt with it my own way. But I feel like you know everyone knows it's not going to help anything. It's only going to make the situation worse. You get drunk, mm. it's a depressant. The next day you wake up twice as bad, and you got to yeah. face it anyway. No, it's great, man. Like I didn't really realize that you're abstaining from certain things for this amount of time. It's pretty inspiring to me to see someone on that path for so long. Yeah, well, it's just normal and considering for me. the opportunity and the travel that you've been able to do and. But yeah. yeah, especially for me coming from the Christian world where that's really normal, but it's because of your faith and your religion. Yeah. But you're free to do whatever you want. You yeah. Know? <laughs> but you're like, yeah. this path works for me. and Yeah, for sure. It's beautiful, man. Yeah, it's just, I don't know, it's just something I've always liked to do. And I, when I was young, mm. start like st- stopping drinking and then that was the age where my friends were, you know, getting in fights, getting arrested and I was watching from the outside just thinking, this isn't something I need mm. to do really. Yeah. It's not really – doesn't really offer me anything. Mm. Dude, thanks so much for sharing. Um, I've been I've been uh, journeying through just some of your stuff today and it's been really inspiring for me seeing a bunch of the projects that you've been involved with, especially to do with the Tarkine. The, the oh, yeah. That was yeah, fun. I had a friend that um, was part of some of that campaign, I think, last year. Not this one but just around – um, creating awareness about um, the situation in Tassie. It's its brutal, man. Um, yeah. Was there a moment in your life where you felt like activism became a bit more of a reality for you and you were like, wow, I do care about the planet? And was there a time where climate change became more of a conversation and I kind of want to go there a little, a little bit? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I mean, I've always cared a lot about the environment. I think growing up here, being a surfer, you, you're attached to the environment and, you, you know, you have an intrinsic kind of love for it Um, but it wasn't until yeah probably three or four years ago when um, it really became something I was focused on it's one of those things that it's like such a big problem it's kind of overwhelming it can be fully overwhelming because there's so many issues with it Um, and to be honest I went through a phase where I was feeling really guilty about Mm. the band like because I was really against, you know, fossil fuels and, and mining and all that stuff, yet we're travelling the world, flying around, yeah. using pyro, yeah. doing this, like, stage, doing this job. We Really, at the end of the day, it's not really – it's got no value to society, you know what I mean? Like, it's good putting on a show, it's entertainment, but really, mm-hmm. like, it's just a big mass – the whole industry I'm talking about is a really big waste of resources when you think of it. Mm-hmm. And I came to a bit of a – a crossroads where they're going, fuck, like, what what can you do? So it kind of, my way of of kind of justifying it was trying to use our platform to spread the, you know, the message and trying to counteract our Mm. impact through other ways by, like, offsetting our missions and and donating and um, being involved in campaigns and Mm. things like that. But still, it's pretty hard to be... A modern human and not have an impact it's basically impossible yeah dude and yeah and then i've even found it for me like talking about you know plastic freeness and then i had a big involvement in the fight for the bike campaign last year and I, but i was still flying all over australia for these campaigns yeah and i'd have people that would hit me up like bro your emissions 
what's going on, dude? Yeah. You got this message. And it didn't happen all the time, but it did kind of haunt me a little bit. But yeah. at the moment, I think we're just doing the best that we can. Yeah. Do you know what? Uh, that uh, Greta Thunberg, dude. she really, oh, she's amazing, but she really, for me and for a lot of people, was the first to really put the obvious together. It's like everyone who was fighting for the environment, even like Leonardo DiCaprio, who's one of my heroes, he's, he's obviously yeah. does so good for the environment, but then he'll fly around in a private jet. And yeah. it's the same thing as what we were doing and everyone was doing. And it was the first, she was really the first one to say, look what you're doing, not just like yeah. what everything else. It's individual level. Yeah. And it's like such an obvious thing, but the way she said it, it was, that was kind of one mm. of the... The things and that she got stood me. By, man. She sailed to America. Yeah, she's actually yeah, she fucking <laughs> just does she, trains. She talked like, the walk the yeah, walk, eh? Walk um and cause um in Tasmania you guys um ran a bunch. Yeah, I think it Tell into, us about that project. It was just uh like it it combined um environmentalism with something I'm into which is like ultra running. Mm. So um it was a great campaign to be involved with. It was, and I the idea was, this amazing part of the world, this forest called the Tarkine, was getting logged, and they had a um, idea down there, genius idea to do an ultra run through it. So it, mm. the people who were fighting for it actually were right in the middle of it and got to see it, and we got to um, go and see their camps where they're protecting, you know, the logging, protecting from the logging, and um. Mm. Yeah, it was amazing. There was, was so many good people down there. Patagonia sponsored. It was a beautiful, mm. beautiful run. Even though it was pissing down that day and freezing, yeah. but was Bob there? Bob Brown. Yeah, I got to meet Bob. He yeah. was a legend. Yeah, and um, there was a few Peter Wish Wilson. He was down there. Like the Senator Surfer. Yeah, he's such a good guy. Eh? Yeah, he's a legend. He's a big hug. He's a big dude. Yeah, like, I love what he's doing. Yeah, it was funny. I felt like there was. I was chatting to Bob and and Peter, and then um. The fuck you have to edit this. By the way, guys, Peter is um, senator for the Greens. Yeah, Tasmania. Yeah, yep. senator for Green Tasmania. Yeah, and then um, who's the Greens leader? Fuck, I just had a mind blank. Um, do you know who the Greens leader is? Oh, dude, Adam Brant. Adam Bant. Yeah, Adam Bant. Yeah. So it was yeah, Peter, Adam Bant, and and Bob, and then I was talking to them, and I felt like a. A groupie. I was like, yeah, I'm stoked to meet these guys. I got like a photo with them and stuff. <laughs> yeah. So they were my heroes, dudes, actually doing work on the front line. <laughs> yeah, dude. When you talk to Peter, man, he told me, he's like, Billy, every time I fly into Canberra, I go to Parliament House, it's like going to war. Yeah. It's a yeah. heavy presence. Like For it's sure. Huge spiritual battle. Like it's crazy. But yeah. um, you see his passion for, for Tasmania, like, in his eyes. Like, yeah, it's pretty powerful. For sure. Yeah, he'd have a frustrating life. For me. <laughs> That's the, the life. You sign up to a life of politics, oh, you're going to sign up to frustration because it's, oh, it'd just be really hard to take. Yeah, man. And so you've been running um, ultrathons for quite a while now? Oh, not that long. The first one was this one a couple of years ago. It was 150Ks. Dude. I had two weeks prep um, and it was brutal. It was up in North Queensland. Two weeks prep? Yeah, because we were on tour in Europe actually um, and then my mate just kept heckling me because it was a Thames event. It was two weeks after we got What's home. What's a Thames event? Te- teams. Oh, team a Thames team, yeah, event. 
So it was just me and another mate, and um, I just he just kept heckling me, and I said, "Oh fuck it, let's just do it then." Yeah. And then um, but the good thing is drumming keeps me fit. I've got a good baseline fitness so then yeah. if there's some sort of event a couple of weeks of intense training and then i'm good to go yeah yeah <laughs> yeah man and so um have you been involved in any other projects as well like did you you were going to the fight for the bike paddle outs yeah yeah all the paddle outs yeah. i got involved mainly in um byron ones a while yeah. ago i started yeah. this thing oh, this is like five years ago called byra byron young residence alliance that was really cool for a few years. We fought off this big development called West Byron because I basically went to these meetings um, when we started opposing this stuff and it was me and about 10 people over the age of 60. And I was like, fuck, you know, a lot of young people care about this stuff but they're not represented. So mm. my idea was I got a lot of younger people together and we had one unified voice and it was pretty powerful. We put on like a big rally and... We had some momentum for a while, but true to form to young people, it kind of fizzled out because we all had other stuff going on. Mm. But um, yeah, I mean, I go through phases, man. Mm. It's it's, I really care about it, but it's also overwhelming because it's never oh, never dude. ending. Yeah, mm. I think it's beautiful though that you're not speaking with a language of nihilism and like giving up or because it is overwhelming and we're like yeah. it's almost like we're on this sinking ship that the car's already gone over the cliff yeah with climate change yeah um but i definitely i, I actually wrote a song like we called oblivion which is saying i don't want to see oblivion like i yeah. want to i want to at least give this a try and yeah i think it's really inspiring seeing guys like yourself that are still putting your heart into it and yeah you know and stepping into these projects and just creating using your platform yeah well that's the thing you it's, know it's actually greta said something amazing once it really resonated with me it said the bigger your platform the bigger your responsibility so i was like yeah that's true so the more people you reach but i'm um, actually i've come to peace with it a little bit uh, yeah. um with this with the um all the environmental stuff because it really was really getting to me for a while mm. like overwhelmingly and then i took one step back further or deeper however you want to say it and i just came to terms with the fact that you know, on this planet that we live live on, there's been five, at least five well-known extinctions where life is absolutely flourishing with all these amazing life forms, all this stuff going on on the planet and then boom, something's happened and then mm. the majority of the life dies yeah. and then it flourishes again over millions of years, comes back, happens again obviously to the dinosaurs. Think of all the like amazing beauty and and different life forms that would have been and then boom, gone again and then come back. And it, it just basically made me realise if humans' destiny is to take ourselves and most of the life form on the planet away, it's obviously tragic, but life will continue. Yeah. It will, it will, everything will be yeah, destroyed. On a molecular level, cells, yeah, soil. There'll, there'll be yeah. plants, birds, there'll be things that continue, we'll be gone, there'll be you know, all this destruction, but then life will continue for, you know. <laughs> and then that's, if you, I came to peace with that and I thought, you know, in the bigger picture, we're just a, a part, a very small part of the history of this planet, you know. It's not like, it's not, we're, we're not the be all end all. When people say the world will end, it's it won't end. The human world may end and every all the other animals, but life will continue. 
And that's what we are. We are just we're an expression of life. Yeah. That's all humans are. Just sit with that for a second. <laughs> I I heard a similar notion at this um, conference two years ago called New Kind, mm. and it was just yeah. You said the same thing. Like if if humans go this path continually, then um, it'll be the end for humans. But you know, cockroaches will live on. Like they'll matter will continue. Yeah, of course. You know, um, and it might just take another you know thirteen point seven billion years to. <laughs> For a humanoid, an anatomical human to come back or whatever, but like life continues. Yeah. Yeah, with or without us. Yeah, man, um, talking about the planet. Um, yeah, man, um, how long have you been plant-based for? Um, went vegetarian about five years ago and been vegan for two and a half years. Yeah. And that was purely ethical. Yeah. I'm, I'm not going to pretend that I didn't like the taste of dairy or meat, but I just, I just saw... One too many documentaries, and it's just un, unavoidable now mm. that it's, um, you know, it's not good for the planet, it's not good for animals. Yeah. And I just felt like it's an out of all the decisions to make, like it's pretty hard to live not live not going in a car. It's pretty hard to live not catching a plane, but not eating meat is a pretty easy yeah, sacrifice. Yeah, it's not yeah. something we need. And I, I'm the fittest I've ever been by far. I feel great. Mentally, physically, and so for me, it's it's amazing, and mm. I don't miss it at all. Yeah, it's great, man. I, I feel like my alignment um, as someone who desires to be a sacred activist, like eating plant based, and with my ethics and my values, I feel so much more like whole. Yeah, with what I believe in, like I don't believe in violence. No. On other people and other animals, like mm. for my plate of food, like yeah. for me that just seems crazy. For me, that there's like cognitive dissonance there of like yeah, I'm loving my mate, fucking loving my dog. Yeah, it is. And then I'm slaughtering this pig. Yeah, it's and it's just undeniable now. It's really yeah. the the heart of it's the core of ignorance. Like I don't want to preach about it, but mm. if anyone eat, eats meat, like that's totally fine. But just as long as they acknowledge it, like don't. Yeah hide from it like I used to do that like you'd see some like a vegan friend post something like of a chicken factory or something and you just turn it off and look away because you don't want to see it but that's the reality and if you can really look at that stuff and stomach it and accept okay that's what's going on and I'm I'm supporting that then then that's fine as long Mm -hmm. as you made that decision but most people don't have the even the connection with what they're eating and and a and a life it's invisible to their experience. It is, yeah, and that's that's what the companies make it make mm. it as. Like in Woolies, you're buying a a piece of meat. If there was a full cow there, most people, you know, if there was a full cow getting killed, most people wouldn't be buying it. But they don't see that process. Yeah. No, it's great. Man. It's great that you're feeling great. Oh, yeah, I'm feeling so good, like, dude. I only found out that the general store was vegetarian like probably two months ago yeah and i was just like huge but it hasn't always been no so the partner that i started with he ate meat and i was vegan and we you know at the start i wanted to be vegetarian or vegan and then um he wanted meat so we just had some meat and some vegan options and then as time went by i kind of convinced him and um basically he just saw that that was the way it was going after that documentary, The Game Changes, yeah, which really dude. did change the game. Arnie. Yeah. Well, it just became so convincing. <laughs> yeah. And then, um, 
And then, yeah, it's been we're still, you know, the odd – every now and then there might be someone comes in and asks for bacon or something and and gets over it. But, but you know, most of the like time – Do you feel like the energy's changed at all since you guys went, like, Yeah, sharing? for sure. Yeah. I reckon. There's such a warmth in there, man. Like, it's my favourite. I yeah. love going to the Jenny. There's yeah. such a good spirit about the place and you can see it on all your staff's faces. Like, I yeah. feel like the whole experience is like an immersion in yeah. like life and – yeah, and for me personally, if there was like every, every other person's having bacon and eggs with their coffee, like I feel like it would definitely for me because I have been on this journey yeah. for like 10 years at least with plant-based eating, it's like it's a different energy. Yeah, sick. Yeah, I mean, I'm yeah, stoked with it because it. – Yeah, Props thanks, mate. You, brother. Cheers. Yeah, it's a, it's a good place. And yeah. basically that's – that was the whole thing. I wanted a place where I can enjoy hanging out at. <laughs> so <laughs> – <laughs> uh, so I hang there every day, not to work, just to go and hang there and yeah. eat food. And I'm I'll like, fuck, see you this there is pretty working, sick. Doing some things. Yeah, well, it's not the best place to work because I know so many people get <laughs> distracted. But yeah, it's it's a good vibe, man. I, I, I'm actually proud of proud of it, and it's yeah. just so weird. I never thought I'd own a cafe. It just kind of like it's one of those things that happened, and then we look back and just think, how the fuck did that happen? So many weird circumstances yeah. came together for that to happen, and now yeah. it just just feels right yeah but yeah just to finalize the no meat thing I, i'm super stoked that yeah, we went dude. that way because we're busier than we've ever been mm. and now like instead of ordering you know x amount of hundreds of kilos of bacon and mm. chicken or whatever every every um year we would have been doing that's whole that's just gone we don't we're, we're supporting local um farmers that are actually farming vegetables yeah. and you know yeah. Still have eggs, but I don't have a problem with eggs. Mm. I don't eat them, but I don't have a really moral problem. Mm. A local, a local um, farm, free range chickens. So. Yeah, mm. no, it's great, man. Um, do you feel like there was a time because, like, this podcast is all about rebirth and rechilding, rewilding, and curiosity? Yeah. And um, do you feel like there was a particular time in your life where you started to delve a bit deeper in the spiritual? realm or like I know that you love practicing yoga I'm assuming that you're into meditation yeah um breath work yeah these are just you know Byron assumptions <laughs> yeah but obviously we're in a yoga room right now so yeah. it, it's all kind of one ecosystem of practice but um but yeah man like was there a time that you became more interested in in the inner work realm yeah big time yeah so I have been interested in that for a long time mm. And it was weird looking back. I really feel like I was semi-searching, like a lot of people. Like I was into like philosophy for a long time, yeah. and Stoic philosophy. I was just into like reading different kinds of books, and That's but like, great, man. yeah, but I, but I really it kind of led up to this moment. Like a, so I guess I'll delve into this story, but like the the way that it was kind of pretty life-changing for me. I um. So I was into yoga and meditation but not like super into it. I didn't really get it that much. But then there was this one tour about f three or four years ago where it was like one of the biggest tours we were, have had, had ever done at the time and it was the first tour actually we were going using the cage, the upside-down yeah. drum cage. So I was doing like this big upside-down drum solo thing and um, it was the first time like all the attention was going on me and it was all this pressure so I've never had a problem with like being nervous on stage or anything like that at all. But this particular tour, I put a lot of pressure on myself. Anyway, as I as the tour went on, like I made a, the odd 
mistake. Or usually I just would have been fine with it. But that particular tour, I was like, fuck, fuck. Every time I made a mistake, I fully beat myself up. I, like, I'd go to bed at night thinking, fuck, you fucked it up. And like... I was really pressuring myself and then the next day I'd be thinking about that part going, you better not fuck it up, better not fuck it up and then I would fuck it up and then and then it got worse. It started snowballing and then we played this show to like, um, it was a big one. It was like 30,000 people and it was getting live streamed to a million people in Germany and then so I was like, I've got to be like, I can't fuck up this one and the thoughts are just running through my head. You're going to fuck it up. What if you fuck this speed up? And then I fucked up like so many bits that I'd usually just not even not even, I played them a thousand times, and then by the end of the tour, I was like properly, like proper anxiety like going onto the stage, and I never I was like I couldn't play bits that I've been playing for fifteen years, and like the head noise was like insane. I'd never experienced anything like it. Like proper anxiety like nearly the fucking panic attack I was just so didn't want to be on the stage every part would come up I'd be coming up to that was slightly difficult it would be you're gonna fuck this up you're gonna fuck this up and then I go and I was just so shit I had to talk to the band about it and say look guys something's going on I don't know what but they were sweet about it so anyway I just thought it was physical I thought something's going on like physical I got home I saw like um uh what are they called? Uh, I got massages. I saw doctors. They said, nothing's wrong with your body. You're totally fine. Went to play. I couldn't play. Like I was really shit at drumming. And then in like um, two months, we had this American tour coming up. And then like I'd literally go to bed at night just worrying and thinking about, fuck, what's, what's going to happen? I'm not going to be able to, what's going to, I'm going to have to leave the band. I'm going to get kicked out. And all these thoughts. And it was the first time in my life, like I was just, Proper had like anxiety about something, never really experienced that. And then anyway, um, I saw like three different psychologists. They didn't really, like sports psychologists, they didn't do anything for me really. I was just like, and then the time was running down mm. and I was like, there was like three weeks left and I couldn't, I'd go in my basement, in my room, in my studio and I couldn't play the songs. Like my confidence was that low and I was like, thinking, fuck, am I going to, like, what's going to happen here? And I, like, had a meeting with the band and they were really cool about it still. Anyway, I was just searching and searching and then as it was, like... What kind of time period is this? Is this over, like, a six-month period or something? No, two or three months. Two or three months, yeah. yeah. And I was reading books and I was basically just... Deep diving, yeah. ...looking and, like, it was getting worse. Mm. So, anyway, it was... I went on... um, YouTube but like it was like 10 days before this tour and I was actually contemplating like I'm gonna have to tell the band I can't do it because like the thought of going on stage like fully frightened me and I, I was like just in a really bad bad headspace and anyway I was just searching and I found um it was an Eckhart Tolle um video and, and it was like I, I had my first like like insight it, it really clicked and he said it said something like if you realise thoughts are just thoughts, they have no power over you but if you take them to be reality, they can destroy you and it kind of like clicked and I, was, I just basically realised I'm just believing my thoughts. That's all that's happening. And it was like the first kind of aha wow. moment of this, that was the beginning of the journey that like 
changed my life tenfold and it was the best thing that ever happened to me in the end. But it was a long journey from then. So from from there I started um, so realizing that you are not your thoughts. You're not your thoughts. You're not that's your the that's that's the that's the big the, that was the big one. Bedrock, yeah, and then and so go. I started. All oh. I started to do was observe my thoughts rather than be them, and that was the very start of it. And so I read Eckhart Tolle books and started delving into more spiritual teachers of um, different books. And it just every time I was reading these books and I started meditating more, it just started clicking. I started observing my thoughts. I'd go to play drums and then here come the thoughts, you're going to fuck up, you're not going to be able to do it. And rather than feel it, believe it and go, fuck, I'd go, oh, there they are, there's the thoughts. What have you got to say for me now? And then I'd watch them and then I'd play and then I'd come up to a bit where the thoughts would say, you're going to fuck it up. And I'd be like, oh, there they are. And then I'd just play it. (laughs) And I just started laughing going, I've just been believing my fucking mind is just giving me this shit and I've been eating it. Like I've been believing it and it was proper life-changing. And But it wasn't that easy because you still, it, every now, always at the start particularly, it, it pulls you in. So there almost was like a game mm. where my goal was to observe the mind and you, your, your mind's goal or your thoughts was to get you to give it importance and believe it. And so every now and then I'd be like, fuck. And they'd go, oh, it's got me. It's unbelievable. Um, I'm, I'm in again. And I'd pull back and start observing. And as you observe more, the power basically fizzles away. And so we did this tour, this American, Dude, this American so tour, powerful. and we'd go on stage, we went on stage for the first time. And just the thoughts, you're going to fuck it. And I'll just go, yeah, here you go. Like, give, give me anything you got. Like, any thoughts, and I'd just be observing them. You'd feel like the emotions, but it's all, it was all fine because you were just, I was observing it all. Play, and then I was, you know, I still had a bit of it in me. I wasn't perfect, but that was the road out, the way out. So, yeah. and then I got through that tour, and then it slowly just dissolved. But from then, it was, like I said, that whole thing has changed my life because now, like years later, I've learned so much, and I just, like a lot of them say, like Eckhart Tolle, yeah. who's like one of the my favourite teachers of that great, whole thing, yeah. says like you, it's always from suffering that this starts. Like if you're just mm. going along your life and it's up and down and, and kind of normal, you're not going to be compelled to go deeper and do that. Yeah, it's always from a, a, a bad experience where mm. you perceive to be bad and that's when you grow and um, you start the journey. Mm. So. Yeah, man, it was proper, proper life changing. And um, how long ago was that? About three years ago. Dude. Yeah, and then obviously meditating is a big part of that because that's really the way the meditation I do is that you're sitting there, and it's the again I've been I'm very I've been very scientific minded my whole life. I, I like I hate the word spirituality because I feel like there's so many like as soon as you as soon as you say spiritual, oh, like I'm spiritual. That's very triggering. People think it's like. Guru meditating, just guru levitating, and like in chakras, and like it just yeah. has this weird, yeah, classic like, Byron, yeah, like a and people identify with that. So it's more like the, what I have experienced. It's not like something you have to believe in, or like it's mm. actual facts. It's like it's psychology. Like you're sitting there, and you your mind is still. And then a thought comes, you see it, you see it come, you see it do its thing, and then it goes, and then. 
you're still there. Mm. You see another thought come and go, but the stillness, the space, the consciousness that is aware of the thought mm. is always there and that's your essence of who you, you truly are and that's, that's the life-changing part. And it's, the, it's actually ultimate freedom because now I can have anything and I've actually used that on running a lot. When, you're, when I'm running yeah. and I'm 25Ks deep and your mind comes in and says, oh, you know, you're going to get injured, you should stop, you're not going to be able to do it. There's two options there. You can either, the, the common one is to argue against the thought. A thought comes and says that. And like, so David Goggins is like a famous runner and his thing is he would argue against that thought and say, I'm the fucking best, baddest motherfucker in the world. I can do anything. No one stops me. And it, it produces incredible results because he's an incredible athlete. But the, the um, problem with that is you're just inflating your ego. Basically, your yeah. fight, a negative thought comes and you're arguing with that thought. But the yeah. other option is to let it do its thing. It comes up and says, you're not going to be able to do it. You're going to have to stop. And you're yeah. like, oh, there you are. It's kind of like traffic. Yeah, come on. Yeah. What, what else have you got to say? And then when you don't give it importance, it just goes, it's gone. And then you're just running. Yeah. And there's no, it's just you're running and it's totally peaceful. And then maybe 10 minutes later, another thought comes up. And then you go, oh, yeah. And then it's gone. Rather than if you, if you argue with it, it's, it just is there. The voice basically gets magnified. Yeah, you're feeding it. Yeah. So, man, it's a full, it's a full journey, oh, but it's like dude. it's the best thing ever. Yeah, man, I feel like I'm with you. Like I think you can read a lot of psychology books, a lot of philosophy for me growing up and even being a Christian minister. Like it's always about, um, you know, praying to God, trying to think your way out of bad shit. Like, oh, I want to kill that person, um, you know, and so you're like, oh, well, I'm going to try not to think about killing that person. You know, it's just kind of like you're always trying to like yeah. – Pray about it, God. Forgive me for, for hating that person. And then you think about the Bible. You go to back, God. I'm yeah. sorry again. And you're thinking about your thoughts. You're thinking, obviously, all about all the time about how bad you are and how yeah. much you need redemption. You're coming back. There's just this feedback loop, and you're just yeah, feeding those exactly, thoughts. Yeah. I would drive myself crazy. Yeah. You know, like, and I'm like, fuck, everything's beautiful in my life, but like, why can I not experience deep joy? Yeah. Why can I not be present? Yeah. Why am I still comparing myself with my best friend? Like, yeah. why am I feeding these thoughts? And yeah. I'm with you, bro. Like, I feel like the conscious path lets you embrace the void and you can observe your feelings and they're just there. Yeah. And they pass through you like you're a porous rock yeah, at the sure. beach. It's just cruising through. Yeah, for sure. To river flow. 100%. And a really good quote that I have heard, um, I think it was Deepak Chopra say. He's great was um, a positive mind is good, but a still mind is better. Yeah. And so like anxiety, fear, worry, doubt, anger, all those things can only happen from thoughts. Like anxiety is from thoughts. So mm. if you really understand that, then you realise all that stuff is from thoughts and not even, not just thoughts, it's not thoughts, it's believing your thoughts. Mm. So when you really get that, then all those things I just mentioned, they have no power on you because they come up and Eckhart Tolle's biggest thing is, he's, he's got many messages, but one of his biggest thing is, be, is there is only now, there's only the mm. present moment. Most people thinking is always the past or the future. Mm. So 
if you're present, there's a quote that he says that's, um, look at this, this moment and tell me what problem you have and there's never a problem in this moment because a problem is something you're thinking about. Mm. It's like I've got to go do this or this just happened or, or I don't want this to happen or whatever it is. So if you're properly present and you're just there mm. still, then life becomes so much easier, so much less problematic because you're not <laughs> arguing against reality. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, right. yeah, it's not this war against reality. It's yeah, just well, this that's embracing what it is. of everything around and yeah. in and this and. But so it's so good. It's difficult, man. It's like oh, because dude. I've I've seen me all that programming. The yeah, last yeah, it's conditioning. Thirty years of our life. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah, it's but a lifetime of conditioning. We're conditioned to consume products, to be married by a certain age, to have this and. To always need something that we don't have, yeah, constantly, yeah, and we're programmed to regret the past, and yeah, but to man to embrace now, yeah, dude, that book changed my life. The Power, Power of Now, now. Yeah, yeah, that man. one, and a that new was earth. a game changer. Yeah, it's it's both of them, so yeah, good, hand yeah. in hand. Bro, I realize you've you've got to take off, you've got a dinner. That's all right. I'm happy. Let's keep chatting for a bit more, <laughs> dude. dude. Yeah, it's, it's also you're like man, you're waxing, man, you're waxing <laughs> lyrical, like all this, like. All this charm and goodness is just oozing out. Yeah, well, like I said, I don't, like I only talk about this with one or two mates who are on the path because what, what I've realised yeah. is if you talk about this stuff to and to someone who has no idea, you basically sound mad. Yeah. It's actually it's it's crazy. It's it's so insane to watch because just as an example, I had a, a friend in a big band, a, a drummer as well, and he came to me just after I'd gotten over my whole thing and he said, man, I'm having this thing, I can't drum anymore, like I'm going up to stage, even sound check, I've gotten like anxiety and I said, oh, mate, I've just experienced the same thing, this is what it is and I told him, I said, all that's happening is you're believing these thoughts about what's going on and I explained it and I could see him looking at me in a weird way and then I told him this stuff that helped me and then he he basically just said something totally different, yeah, yeah, I might do this and that and didn't get it and I could tell when he was looking at me that he was having thoughts saying, what the fuck's he talking about? This is bullshit. But that's another thought that he's believing. (laughs) See, he's so like identified with thought, he couldn't even see that that thought was the exact thing he had to escape. You know what I mean? Because it's... Most people are their thoughts. Like there's no, yeah. there's no getting away. Yeah, and that's the one, sure. one really interesting thing. It's their with, identity. Yeah, that's one interesting thing with meditation when I first started oh, it. So the first thing when I ran a read about But with it, that guy, did you guys follow up that conversation? Was he, there any... He quit the band. No way. Yeah, he quit the band. He couldn't Dude, do it. Yeah. That's such a and, travesty. And I just, I don't know, there's obviously other ways. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like I told him and he just, he, yeah, he couldn't get that, yeah. that side of it. But yeah, the, the crazy thing is that that's the number one thing out of all of it is just start watching your mind and you mm. realise how mad you are or how mm. ma- mad your mind is. There's first person, third person, it's talking to itself. Yeah. It's fucking crazy and you've got no idea. Like I remember when I used to, just b- before this, I'd go surfing, I'm at the most beautiful, uh, beautiful day ever. There's dolphins jumping, there's good waves and I'd be daydreaming for like 15 minutes about like some story or a movie I watched or 
something I've got to do tomorrow and I wasn't there. Like, and, and now if you're there, you're, you're seeing it all, you're hearing it all, you're fully immersed in it. And obviously a thought will come here and there but before I just wasn't even aware and I'd just go, oh, I've been daydreaming for 15 minutes, like in a different world. Mm. And that's what I was going to say about... It's crazy, man. With that, it's, I, I feel like for me at the start of last year when I went through my crazy breakup with fiancé and everything... I started going inner instead of just going, I'm going to fucking get on Tinder and just slay heaps of yeah. chicks and go on a big fishing trip. I was just like, no, I'm going to start running. I'm going to start doing breath work. I started listening to Eckhart Tolle and this conscious psychologist. And when I started doing this inner work, I would walk, I would fucking walk outside and I would see a table and I'd be like, that's a fucking beautiful table. Mm. And like certain birds, I wouldn't be judging about what species they were, yeah, but I'd just yeah. be like, wow, colours, shapes. And I'd be like, wow, the essence of life. Yeah. <laughs> it was like I was on this crazy trip. Yeah, it actually is. I would That's like hug like. my mates yeah. and I would surf and it'd be one foot and I'm sure I'd be like, this is a sick surf. I'd yeah. just be so present. Yeah. A whole different level of presence. For sure. That wasn't um, conditional yeah, exactly. on what was happening around me. Exactly, yeah. I remember the first time... One of the first times it happened to me, actually, I was surfing the pass, which I'd done 10,000 times growing up. It was a beautiful sunset. And I walked, was walking back up. And I just started, I guess I just started practicing mindfulness. And I just looked at everything without thinking about it. And all of a sudden, I was looking and everything just seemed so much brighter, clearer. And it was like I was seeing it for the first time. Because before you're looking at something and your mind is commenting on it constantly. Like you even even you look at a beautiful sunset and your mind's saying, oh, that's an amazing sunset. Look how good that is. Oh, that's so good. It's as good as the one I saw. But it's fucking nonstop. It's like you're not, <laughs> Constant comparison. You're not seeing it for what yeah. it is. You're, you're seeing it through the eyes of this conditioned mind. And when you can actually look, it almost like it goes from lo-fi to hi-fi and everything just becomes fully alive. And it's like a, it's just a totally different experience. Oh, dude! But what what I was going to say one interesting one <laughs> yeah. with with meditating yeah, when when I first started, um, you know, mindfulness meditation, and I read about so the technique is just observe your thoughts and let them come and go. It's it's really funny because you are sitting there and I'd be like observe my thoughts and then a thought would come and it'd be like you know don't forget to send that email later and then. And then I'd think, okay, yep, there's that thought. And then another thought would come, I've got to do this tomorrow. And I'd be like, okay, yep, there's, there's another thought. And then I didn't realise there was <laughs> the thoughts coming and then there was thoughts judging those thoughts. And then, and then after a while I would go, this is boring. Like this isn't actually doing anything and I'd get agitated and stop. But that's also another thought. Like there's layers upon layers of thought. It's the onion. Yeah, and then so it takes a long time to realise how identified with thoughts you really are. And then when you get into the space of, of, not, of thoughtlessness, it's literally the most peaceful thing in the world. You're, you're there completely conscious, completely alive, but you're not thinking about anything. You're just there. And so it's, yeah, it's uh, the only yeah, thing I can the say. The Beatles is, had that lyric um, from the um, Revolver album. It says, surrender to the void. Yeah. And it's beautiful, man. Just good. the embrace yeah. of this and spaciousness. And I, I think with that, man, as well, like for me, leaving Sydney, which is highly like 
the conveyor belt of capitalism. Everyone's doing shit all yeah. the time and having to feel like they need to be on this. I've got to be at that. Oh man, what's she wearing? Oh, you know, and then, but like to come to Byron and to physically also feel that spaciousness helped me to grow my spaciousness as For well sure. in my heart. Yeah. And I can imagine you waking up to this, this landscape yeah. and it almost cradles that experience. It does. Well. Yeah, it does hundred percent. It's not vital, but nature yeah. really helps. Yeah. Like, and that's the, one of the biggest things on tour when we're touring Europe or America. Every day, part of my daily mission, daily routine would be I'd look on a map. It's difficult in America, actually, and I'd find a bit of green on the map, whether yeah, it's a park yeah. or a, yeah, a state forest or something. Yeah. And I'll just go and just go for a walk in nature. Yeah. I'll just sit there and just listen for a bit. And, like, it sounds so... To someone, like I guess a city person who's removed it sounds so like hippie or weird, but like you just otherwise you just at the end of a month long tour in the city every day, just get home and I just feel so like heavy and mm. just not right. You just kind of need that spaciousness every day. Yeah. And um, yeah, obviously nature's the the spot for it. There's just, and that's why obviously one of the reasons Byron's so good. There's yeah. there's the social stuff going on but there's so many spots to get that space in nature mm, as well yeah no man i noticed something about you like when i was at the general store the first time i think i connected then the second time i, I bought a board off you yeah that's right but i think you do like you do you, you do you do have a glow about you and oh, i wow. think there is sometimes when people are on this path of inner work like it's a felt thing you yeah. know, how present people are. Yeah. Like dudes being able to look each other in the eye and just, yeah. oh, sick. And, and yeah. it's not just through sarcasm. Yeah. You know, it's it's real. It's, For sure, you yeah. Know, and yeah. I, it, it just affects every part of your life. I it think, does, when yeah. When you commit to the work. 100%, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I it's opened my whole life up. I used to be pretty like hard out atheist of like there's yeah. nothing, there's, there's just yeah. atoms like – there's really? no meaning. Yeah, there's no meaning. We're just here through evolution, but it's the whole thing. It's um, changed my perspective a lot. And it's just like one of the kind of one big thing I've I've thought like, what up? <laughs> so one thing that's kind of very obvious is there's like, it's hard to even name, but let's just call it life energy. Like mm, the thing that mm. pumps your blood digest your food, heals your wounds, all that stuff. It's just a life energy. Mm. And then you look at a, a tree or any other living thing, any animal, and you realise that is the exact same life energy that, that, that they've got. Mm. And then the, the, next, the last step is, this is the one that most people can't really get, is you are that you are not a separate thing to that. You are that mm. life energy, the same as everything else. And that's mm. kind of the essence of, like, you know, all those teachings. But, and, mm. and to, it's, the connection of all things. Yeah, the connection. It's, and it's not something, oh. like, it, it's so weird. It's different, sta- different stages in your life because I've, I've read that stuff living in Byron my whole life and I used to look at it and go, oh, fucking hippie shit. Yeah. But then you get to a point where you actually get it. And you experience you ex- suffering. You, yeah, you, ex- <laughs> you experience it. it it's yeah. just like it's um, the timing's right. It's like a, it's like a, I think, what is it, the saying? It's like the, f- 
it's like an apple of a tree. Like it just falls when it's ready. Like mm. when you're ready, it you kind of get it. Mm. But like, yeah, it's just it's really. And when you see it, you can't unsee it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and it's too good, man. Because like the next time that you're going through a, a, a suffering season, like you go through a breakup or you lose your job or a business venture doesn't work out, you can observe those shameful thoughts. Yeah, like the second time that Chrissy and I broke up, and like I was able to, in my conscious self, observe those shameful feelings and like, fuck, it's happened to me again. I could observe those things, but I wasn't those things. Yeah. They passed through me. Yeah. And I could wake up the next day, go for a run, go yeah. to surf and still be present. Yeah. Allow allow them to be there. Yeah. That's really one of the biggest ones as yeah. well is allowing mm. things to be as they are. And that includes, one of the main things, it includes your thoughts. Allowing, like if you try and stop that's what I did at the start. Like, yeah, like I, fight I, it. Yeah, I tried to like, okay, I want to still mind. I've got to stop my thoughts yeah. and then I'd come and I'd get frustrated. But then you realise it's just allow, allow mm. them to be. Allow other people to be as they are. That's a big one. And mm. allow everything to be as it is. And that's, that's really one of the biggest life-changing ones. There's a guy, um, Krishnamurti, he's this old like spiritual teacher guy. That Eckhart told this story once in a talk that I saw him. Um, in America, we we actually Dude. in the middle of this stuff we were doing an American tour, and Eckhart was talking in Houston the same night as we played this show, oh. and I bought a ticket. I could only watch half of it, yeah, and I I was watching it, and it was that good. And then I had to quickly get an Uber, and then we went on stage. So I went from an Eckhart Tolle concert to a, a metal concert. <laughs> <laughs> but um, anyway, this is so one thing good, that right? sta- that stayed with me, and it's this um guy Krishnamurti. And he's the spiritual teacher his whole life. He's had all this following and had this profound insights. And he, towards the end of his life, he did a talk and he said, do you want to know my secret? And everyone's like, oh, what is it? And he said, I don't mind what happens. And then they said... In his funny German voice. Yeah, no, no, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't, yeah, that's <laughs> this Indian guy what? saying, I don't... Oh, oh, this guy. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, he was telling a story about this guy. He yeah. said, I don't mind what happens. And really, when you, if you if you don't mind what happens in your life, mm. there's not really any problems because, mm. you know, like COVID is a good example. Like everyone in the world basically was tested, and some people got pushed in. The people got pushed in all different directions. And for me, kind of trying to embody a lot of these teachings, it's like, yeah, the whole year's cancelled. Not making any income this year. Like all this, all your plans and. Obviously, you could take that many ways. You could freak out, but I was like, "It, it is as it is," and mm-hmm. and it was just fine. It was like, "Oh, that's what's happening, and that's that's fine." Mm-hmm. And it just wasn't even it wasn't even an issue because I was like, "Oh, okay." But if you're attached to what mm-hmm. you want to happen, then you're going to be resisting. Oh fuck! Oh, I can't. I need that. What's what? What am I going to do? Mm-hmm. You're up at night worrying. You're depressed. You. You're freaking out, but if you just say this is this is what's happening, this is what's going on, and that, and you go with it, it's like this makes life so much easier. Yeah, and like coming back to that voice that was in your head, you're not you're not like fucking over your your mind all the time with hatred things towards yourself. Yeah, you know, like like when you were making those mistakes. You, there was things that you were saying to to yourself that you would never say to someone else. Exactly, yeah. But that was just a feedback loop that was continuing. You go to sleep thinking about it. Yeah, exactly, like, yeah. Um, even last night, like I probably had a coffee too late yesterday and I'm pretty sensitive to coffee. 
and I had like a lot of sleep and I woke up at like four in the morning. I'm like, oh, I can't sleep. And like, I was observing these like hateful thoughts that I could be saying to, to myself. But yeah. coming back to like, look, you know, it is what it is. And I'm just going to like be with my situation, yeah. accept it. Yeah. And I was still able to have an incredible day. <laughs> just, yeah. And even coming into this interview, like oh, sometimes when I'm doing an interview, I'm like, fuck, how prepared should I be? Oh, what about this gear? Have I got enough XLRs? Da, da, da. But I just had a minute in the car and I just breathed a bit and it's been a sick chat, man. Yeah, nice one, mate. Yeah, yeah man, flowy and, you know, you guys have um, headlined Varkin and done all these incredible things, huge sold-out tours, made documentaries, but you're on an incredible journey, brother, and I just want to acknowledge, you know, what you're Cheers. doing and Thanks, the, the impact that you're having on people and... Yeah, and the way that you've inspired so many thousands of people through the years and, yeah, so... Um, Cheers, man, appreciate it. Yeah. It's good to, like, talk, I guess, real talk because <laughs> yeah. a lot of the time interviews are pretty superficial. Yeah. And just, you know, same old shit. Yeah. Yeah. What are you reading at the moment just as we close? What am I reading? I actually... Are you doing an audio, audible book? No, no, I, I read a lot. I always read like two or three books at a time. Mm. I actually just, I've gone through different kind of um, authors, but at the moment I've just been getting into Alan Watts. Dude, he's amazing. Yeah. Did you um, read um, Insecure. The Way of Doubt? What, uh, uh, no. Oh, the, the Zen, sorry. The, the Way of Zen or something. Way of Zen, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I just bought a book. I finished that in Audible like two months ago. Really? It's dance. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. It's all about the Tao, so. yeah. I think the one I bought was the wisdom of insecurity or something like that. But some of his, some of his talks on um, YouTube are that good, like so good. And his accent and, yeah, is amazing. Yeah, he's, he's just really got a really good voice. But he talks about all that same stuff, same stuff, like the connectedness of yeah. of all things. He was he was pretty on to it. I went to Alan Watts through Ram Dass. Ram Dass, yeah, Ram Dass is yeah. really good. Yeah, there's this guy. Oh, there's there's one guy I've been loving called Rupert Spira. Have you heard of him? Yeah. He's, oh, no. He's unbelievable, some of his mm. meditations and stuff. And that's the other thing. Like we live, live in such a privileged era of the technology at our fin- fingertips. Back in the day, 50 years ago, if you wanted to learn a lot of this stuff, you would have had to go voyage to India and search. Yeah, get a in Rishikesh. A, yeah, and search in the fucking obscure little temples and caves and and stuff and there's something you know romantic about that but you can just type in on youtube and yeah. obviously there's a lot of fake information and, and yeah. weird stuff out, out there but there's also every bit of profound information at your fingertips mm. so it's like you can use that technology any way any way mm. you want it's such a good tool so many good like Talks and meditations and books and like anything you yeah, want to learn, you there's can. There's a New Testament principle that says that by beholding you become changed. And I think that, you know, like the more that we can just feed into our bodies, obviously like with nutrition and what we're feeding ourselves physically, but like I still like the temptation is to get back on the Netflix train and just kind of just watch so much stuff. It's just going to get me by and yeah. fill up time. But I find that as I'm on this path, just being intentional with curating what I'm feeding my soul. Yeah. You know, because... For sure, yeah. Yeah. 100%. That's, using that time because it's so short. That's actually a big one. And mm. it's... I actually don't watch anything anymore because yeah. I've been kind of, I guess, the last few years, as what I spoke about, I guess 
the best analogy would be I'm trying to like empty a lot of the a lot be, become more still basically. Yeah. And I feel like if I watch a really stimulating movie, like a violent movie or something, like a movie I used to watch, like that night I'll just be thinking about it heaps. It won't affect me in a bad way. It's just my mind stimulated and it's run through. Then the next day I'll go to like meditate or go for a run and I'm thinking about it. And I, I just had the realisation a while ago that I just don't need to put this stuff, this shit in me. Like every time, everything you watch goes inside of you and then you you got to kind of digest it, you know what I mean? Yeah, so I was it's like, more I just, noise for yourself. Yeah, it's just basically more noise. And then yeah. the next day you'd meditate to try and <sighs> still it. So I feel like it was it was basically um, competing with each other. Like you, you yeah. meditate to kind of still the mind and then you watch a stimulating movie which fucking stimulates the mind. So I was like, I'm just not going to watch that stuff anymore because I, I wasn't really wow. enjoying it. Yeah. Um, which makes you a pretty boring person. Like, <laughs> I don't, I don't drink, do drugs. I don't watch movies. Uh, my girlfriend's yeah. got a pretty boring, boring life oh, <laughs> with dude, me. But I'm sure she's fresh. <laughs> no, oh. I like I do lots of good shit in the daytime to make yeah, up for, for it. Sure, Benny. Thanks so much for the chat, brother. No worries, it's been mate. Awesome, man. I, I really want to come for a run with you. I yeah, don't think for I'll sure. Be able to keep up, but um, I'll do a slow one. <laughs> That's cool, man. Well, dude, um, high fives. Cheers, brother. I feel really fed from this conversation, really nourished. And it is awesome to see guys like similar age that are talking about these things. And, you know, in a lot of ways, you're giving your life to curiosity and chasing yeah. things. Yeah, for sure. It's incredible what the band's doing and the business is doing. But just seeing your life journey and the flowering of consciousness within you is it's beautiful, man. Thanks, man. Appreciate yeah. it. Dude, thanks for having me at your house. No worries. Yeah. See you soon. Catch you, bro. Thank you for listening to the Beginning of Us podcast. Music is by myself, Billy Otto. Check it out on Spotify. Heaps of love. <laughs>